Listener Production. Daniel and Luke Mancuso are brothers. They live in Melbourne's northern suburbs and in 2010, after 23 years of marriage, their parents separated. What followed was a campaign of intimidation and coercion by their father, Paulino, towards their mother, Teresa. Hang-up calls, stalking, threats, rumours. Three years later, Daniel and Luke's beloved mum was murdered at home by their father. These two remarkable young men have since moved back into what was once their family home and reconnected with their Greek neighbour, Nina. Nina, or Yaya, as she is known to Luke and Daniel, insists that the boys are too skinny, and over the past eight years, she's been passing home-cooked meals to them over the fence. Oh, fish and lemon. You're an angel. Just a little thank you, because you're the best. Oh, yeah, sure. You're the best. That relationship is now documented in a seriously heartwarming Instagram and has since spawned a cookbook. My name is Jamila Rizvi, and welcome to The Weekend Briefing. Up next, The Weekend List, where we will be recommending what to read, watch, listen to this weekend. But first, here is my conversation with Daniel and Luke Mancuso. And just a heads up that this interview contains conversations about family violence, and there will be some important helplines offered at the end of the chat if you need them or someone you know does. Luke and Daniel, welcome to the Weekend Briefing. I'm so happy to have you both. This is the first time that we have had a pair of siblings on the show together. So I'm looking forward to some sibling rivalry, some sibling, I don't know, poking fun, fights with one another through the episode. I wanted to ask first what you were both like growing up. And I think we might start with you, Daniel. Tell me what Luke was like. Um, Luke was always the type of person where he actually used to hate eating, to be honest. He didn't really like to eat. Um, and I remember a younger kid, he used to hide some of the food in his napkins or he'd go to the toilet and then you'd find the food popping up from the, uh, the toilet bowl. So, yeah, Luke was the type that really didn't like to eat at a young age, um, but obviously that's changed dramatically now. Uh, if anything, he eats more than me. So, yeah, he was always that type that was just very... Uh, not really into the eating kind of stages, which was hard for our mum at the time. Obviously, um, he gets older and wiser and he loves food now. And we've got a beautiful yarn next door, so he's looking after you. I haven't thought about that in so long. That just sounds so so bizarre. Oh, my God. Luke, I am the mother of a little boy who he's all right with food. Like he eats lots of different food, but he eats at a glacial pace. Like we have to sit him down for dinner an hour before we start. Then we join him and then we go and clean up for an hour. And after about two and a half hours, he's done. Absolutely kills me. So what is your excuse for eating like that as a kid? And tell me a little bit about Daniel and what he was like growing up. I think at the time I was just probably a bit stubborn, to be honest. As you are when you're younger, you sort of just don't like a bit of authority. And I mean, it didn't help that every time, you know, we would eat and this would happen at Londoners usually, but it's, you know, a 90 course meal. So I think I just sort of would tap out. And then even to this day, Londoners still like, oh, eat manja, manja, eat, eat your two skin. I'm like, I'm the last one at the dinner table, like 20 minutes later, eating all the scraps left over. So yeah, I think I was just probably just stubborn to be honest. And in terms of Daniel growing up, if you're not aware, Daniel's the older brother. So he's two years, two years older than me. Yeah. He was definitely more of the sort of sensible one in terms of, I felt like I was a bit more chaotic growing up. He was, you know, the type of brother I just, I looked up to him and I just would 
felt like his lead everywhere. And, you know, if Daniel was doing the playing a particular sport, I'd want to play it. Just the typical, you know, younger, older brother sort of dynamic where, you know, I just wanted to be a part of everything he did, which is great because, you know, it's still to this day, I, I look up to him and when we lost mum, he really took me under his wing and I felt a little bit lost at times. And I felt like, you know, even though he probably didn't have his shit together, um, he definitely acted like it and, and helped me. In June 2017, Luke and Daniel's father, Paulino, was found guilty of murdering their mum, Teresa. He has been sentenced to 30 years in jail. The judge described the crime as one of jealousy, hatred and rage by a male against a woman who just wanted to be equal, independent and free. Or more simply, just wanted to be. It took Daniel and Luke a year after moving back into their family home to go into the garage where their mum was killed. But now they've reclaimed the space as somewhere to be with friends, to hang out, watch footy or play table tennis. Their dedication to finding light in the dark, as well as celebrating their mum's memory, is remarkable. Daniel, your beautiful mum was murdered in 2013. Do you remember how you thought about Luke at the time? And did you have that big brotherly sense of like, I've got a, I've got a job to do for my little brother as well as dealing with your own grief? Yeah, definitely that night um, pretty much changed all, all of our lives really. But yeah, I definitely had to take on, I felt like the parent role, uh, being the older brother. Uh, which is never easy because, you know, technically that night we lost both our parents. So, yeah, it's been quite a challenging journey um, to say the least because obviously it's hard to to go up to your parents and ask for help now. Obviously I've got a beautiful family that will help me and guide me through that process. But, yeah, just just hoping that I can be the best brother I can be. Obviously I'm a mum in, in her legacy too um, and, yeah, just be the best human really. The reason we're chatting today is the two of you have released this absolutely gorgeous cookbook. Luke, tell me how this came about in the first place. Um, it was always sort of an idea that was in the um, in the hindsight of things because, you know, just one of those things that just made the most sense. Like, you know, where do we want to take ER next? And obviously we want to raise awareness of domestic violence and kindness and community connections. So... I think the idea was always there in terms of getting the ball moving. Um, I think that was sort of the pressure was put on by a yarn next door community because every time we'd post a video of a yarn passing some food over the fence, everyone straight away would be, you know, what's the recipe? I want the recipe. You guys should do a cookbook. And we wanted to sort of jump in the comments and be like, yeah, 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 we're getting there. We're getting there. It doesn't happen overnight. And then we kind of had an opportunity back in 2000, so 2020, um, and it kind of fell apart. And then you know, like all things that happened for a reason and it led us to Pan McMillan, who were absolutely ecstatic and, and so happy and proud that we got to work with them because from the start to the finish, it's just been nothing but enjoyable, you know, because it was pretty intimidating, you know, last two, to think that we're authors of a cookbook is still quite bizarre. Yeah, it was just something we always thought about we would do, but now looking back now that it's done and, and all the traction and positive feedback we're getting, it's definitely a proud moment. Nina, better known as Yaya, is a Greek grandma who lives next door to Daniel and Luke. When they were younger, she was close to their mum for many, many years. She's now become a kind of surrogate mum 
to Daniel and Luke, passing home-cooked meals over the fence. The bond between them is moving and beautiful. The food is warm and delicious. Nina has said, Yaya and Mum are not the same. They can't be. But their mother was an angel. She helped me a lot. So close to me. Daniel, take me back a step to uh, when you first started this community online that sort of reflected the beautiful relationship between you guys and your next door neighbour. When we moved back into our Wonders house back in 2015, you know, it was very hard for us. And, you know, at times we questioned whether it was the right move or not, but over time it obviously felt right. And we knew that, you know, mum was still here. So we just were here for her and she wanted us to be in this house and be with her. So we wanted to respect that. And, you know, it's made the whole transition really easy given that we've got a beautiful neighbour next door who's um, showing us with love by food and and just being another mother figure in our life. We met Yaya ever since we were a young age. She's actually seen us grow up and our mum grow up. So she's been a part of our family for over 30 years now. And, um, yeah, she's made that transition really easy for us because, you know, she's showering us with a lot of love and food. And, um, you know, I remember playing basketball in the backyard with, with our dog and I just hear this this voice out the back of the fence saying, Daniel, Daniel, and you, are you home? And I'm like, obviously I'm home. <laughs> um, and she goes, stay there, I've got something for you. So she um, she came out and handed us a chicken and rice dish ever since that day you kind of received a lot of food transactions and, um, yeah, just lucky that, you know, we've got her there to look after us because, you know, without her we wouldn't have closure today given that she was the first person to raise the alarm that she heard screaming that night. So, yeah, it just just feels really nice to know that we have someone next door that are always constantly looking after us and we're hoping to encourage that through our cookbook and through our social media page, VR Next Door. Luke, so uh, your Yaya Next Door also knew your mum when she was younger too. Does that mean that you get to hear stories of your mum that I suppose you don't necessarily get the same perspective when you're a kid? She tells us a common story where, you know, she had some dinner guests over and she offered him, so this year I had some people over and she offered him a beer and um, she went out to the to the garage in the garage fridge to go get the beer and then she, you know, suddenly opened the fridge and realised that I got no beers and, you know, you are being very embarrassed, you know, uh, offering someone something and then coming back in with nothing. That's obviously a no-go for her. So she actually screamed over the fence as quiet as she could to yell out to mum and told mum the situation and mum quickly jumped in the car, drove to the bottle shop, sped there, sped back and then passed the beers over the fence. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I could go back inside and not feel embarrassed um, that she couldn't walk back in with, with, you know, nothing for the guests. So just stories like that. And as we do with Yaya and Papu, you know, we take him to doctor's appointments and, you know, if they need anything from the shops or just the little things, anything and everything, you know, we can do to help the young people's lives. Mum, you know, mum did exactly that as well too. Daniel, what do you think it is about food that brings people together? Because when I, I am someone who loves to cook, I am also someone who loves to eat. And when I think about food, so much of the time I think about the sharing of food. You know, I don't reminisce about meals that were sort of eaten over the counter on my own when I'm ducking between appointments. I think about dinners with family or having people over for lunch and being with friends or uh, bringing food to someone I love when they're in hospital. What do you think it is about food that's brought your community together? And then 
built that community online as well. Food definitely brings people together and it's a great way to, you know, have a conversation with, with your friends and family um, and sharing, you know, obviously a meal together. It's just, I know, it's quite nostalgic in a sense. It brings back childhood memories too, especially with when you go to your grandparents' house for, for dinners or family dinners. And I don't know, it's just another thing is being a multicultural country, you know, we can get to experience different cultured foods. So obviously we're not Greek, but uh, obviously we've now adopted Greek into our backgrounds now. So um, the power of food is it's crazy, the same as the, uh, the internet, you know. We're just hoping that by showcasing that, that's a great way to have a conversation, whether that's with family or near neighbours and, and just a good way to, to do that. Luke, tell me what it felt like when you started to watch that Instagram community grow because, uh, you know, I think in the media we tend to focus on social media communities that grew out of nothing and were this wild success. But the reality is that most people who start any kind of Instagram account don't have that success. Like that doesn't happen very often. So what did it feel like for you when that following started to grow and why do you think people were so drawn to the stories that you were telling through images online? Uh, I think initially, yeah, me and Daniel were quite shocked. For us, it was, you know, a regular occurrence with the yard giving the food over and having an ethnic Italian background. Coming home with, you know, plates of food and, and lunch for the next day was just a common thing in our lives. Yeah, when the page sort of blew up, it was unexpected, to say the least. Like, it was just something where we didn't have any plan for. It just sort of happened pretty much overnight where, you know, we jumped up from a couple hundred followers to, you know, five to 10,000. And then, you know, shortly after that, the Age article came out with Tom Cowley and, you know, we got to sort of go in a little bit deeper about our story and, and actual the essence of what year next story is. And I feel like in that moment, that's when we sort of realised, hang on, we've got a, a platform here now and we've got a message here and, and this is something we should, you know, drive to our community and, and, you know, to the world and obviously, you know, just make mum proud and, and shine a light on her legacy and give her the voice that she never had. Yeah, Yarnik's all was an accident, I guess. As horrible as it sounds, there are times where I think when, when the cookbook was made, I was, you know, sitting in the kitchen, I was holding it and I was like, this is freaking amazing. Like, this is so, so great. I could never expect this. But also to the part of me was like, I wish I wasn't holding this book. I wish mum was back here and, you know, I wish... We weren't talking about these things, but shortly after having that thought, I was like, you know, you got to do what's right for mum. And, you know, you're in a position where, you, you know, you've turned the negative into a positive. You know, we have to be strong. We have to be positive and we have to keep driving this message because in the end, it's going to help so much more people. And the love gets reciprocated back to us through the community. So, you know, we're very, very fortunate to have that love, not only from the ER, but from the ER next community, which is, you know, great. Daniel, it is an incredible way that um, the two of you have honoured your mum and I know for sure as being a mum myself that she would be incredibly proud. Tell me about the process of creating a cookbook. Like I I don't want to be trite about it, but like that's something that chefs do usually. It's supposed to be quite hard. (laughs) That's not really uh, the expertise that you two had going in. It must have been a wild ride. Well, to be honest, I feel like the the wild ride starting now, to be completely fair. Like the whole process prior to that, I felt more for me and Luke felt quite easy, as bad as it sounds. And uh, yeah, the, the hardest part, I think, more so was for Luke's end when he had to 
to get your yard to, uh, to write out the recipes because, you know, she didn't have measuring cups. And, <laughs> you know, being an ethnic woman, um, there was a lot of salt, a lot of oil, a lot of garlic in each dishes and we really had to kind of... That's how you make it taste good. Correct. That's that's completely right. But uh, yeah, it was a bit challenging for Luke at the start because she had no uh, measuring cups and so forth. So Luke was trying to make sure he was hovering over to check that he's getting everything down. Luke, have you also found the the promotional stage, I suppose, of writing a book tough? I think it can be a real shock, right, coming into the media limelight when it's not something you've done before. I think the promotional stuff was more of a uh, something we're sort of adjusting to just because, you know, we are quite stressed out and um you know we often come out from podcasts or interviews and stuff like that and just be a bit little down on ourselves and be like oh i don't know if we were any good on that or stuff like that it's all just new a new sort of thing for us in terms of easy i i wouldn't say that it's <laughs> just with uh, the whole um cooking with you uh, because i reckon the first couple of dishes we made was a, a bit of a trial and error just because you know I'd be like, all right, yeah, now we're going to measure this. We're going to do this. This is the way we're going to do it. She'd make it all. It'd come out. This, it's not the same. We've done something wrong. And I'm like, oh, what do we do now? So kind of worked out a system where she would make two of everything. And mum would sort of be a bit of a dummy where she could tip salt and oil and, and all the ingredients in the pot as if she was making it. And then I would quickly measure it, write it down, and then sort of move forward. So it's funny because we've actually got the Yarnick Sort cookbook or most of it, 80% of it, just in a little scrap folder with my handwriting that you can't really read because it's crap. It's funny because it's, I guess that's the true essence of the cookbook. It's just like scribble down notes, you know, stains on each pages and, you know, tear away pages and stuff like that. So it was actually quite fun looking back now, even though it was stressful. It's one of those things where I'll definitely look back and take it take for granted for not enjoying the process a little bit more. Um, Not to say I didn't enjoy it. I definitely did enjoy it, but it went by really quickly. Daniel, one of the things that struck me from your social media and now reading the cookbook is that I feel like I know Nina, even though I have never seen her, her face. Tell me about the decision to make sure that I suppose her identity was kept a secret, but we still got the essence of her as a person. Yeah, so it's actually happened quite um, naturally in a sense of, you know, she didn't want to showcase her face and we respected that because, you know, she's her own person and uh, we wanted to respect her family and, and her wishes and it's kind of worked out in our favour because we feel like, you know, we, we want to promote that anyone could be this lady next door, yeah. whether they're a, a male, female, a y- older couple, younger couple um, or, you, you know, even kids. Um, anyone could be this this person next door if you just get to know your neighbour, whether that's having a conversation with them and starting off like that or handing over some food from, from your heritage. It's just a great way that we can showcase that anyone could be this beautiful soul. And, yeah, we're hoping that we can inspire not just Australia but the world to really get to know the neighbour because we feel like it's it's getting lost now given the rise of technology and everyone's just so glued to their phones or iPads or screens for that matter. So I think it was just mum working her magic up there just to make sure that that was the case. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's great that she's got really only sarcastic uh, 
way of talking because she yeah, she she does like to throw a few jokes in in between. She's just her natural self, which is the best thing about it all. Luke, in addition to that message of community, though, you're also trying to draw attention to the reality of family violence in Australia and what we can do about it. Can you tell me about the involvement you two have had in terms of spreading awareness of the terrifying rates of domestic violence in this country? Yeah, it's been a bit of a process at the start, sort of, you know, finding the right people that we want to sort of work with and that are passionate about it just as much as we are. It's a tough one because, you know, often me and Daniel, you know, we don't have all the right answers and, and you know, know how to sort of end this. We wish we did. Um, we just know through our experiences what has helped us and, you know, the things that helped mum through the process, which was, you know, getting to know her neighbours and, and the community as well too because, you know, there'd be often times where at home, you know, it would get quite unstable and, you know, mum felt, a bit of safety, you know, knowing she could just go a couple of doors down and, and knock on the door and go in for a cup of coffee and sort of escape that where, you know, if she was to call the police or something like that, it would probably make the situation a little bit more dangerous for her. We're trying to use our platform just to show the things that helped us. And, you know, we, we feel like having a strong community is, you know, a powerful antidote to violence. Um, so, yeah, we're going to continue to do whatever we can and, and work out what the best way to sort of do our work through through the space, but also to, you know, we're really passionate about, you know, driving our message to the younger generation because they're, they're the ones that they are going to really set up the future for us. Daniel and Luke, thank you so much for being my guests on The Weekend Briefing. There have been a number of incredible people who've spoken to us on this podcast, including Tarang Chawla and Amani Haydar, who are doing incredible advocacy work in the family violence space because of, well, born out of, I suppose, family and personal tragedy. And the strength that you two have is similar to theirs. And I want to thank you so much for the work that you're doing on behalf of the women of Australia, because that message that you are giving through community spaces, through the Australian Childhood Foundation, through the Carlton Football Club, through Our Watch and others, uh, is making a real difference. Thank you so much. No worries. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It was our pleasure. That's it for my conversation with Daniel and Luke Mancuso. Their beautiful cookbook, Yaya Next Door, is available now wherever you get your beautiful and wonderful books, whether that's online or at your local independent bookstore. Now, during that conversation, there were some really difficult discussions of family violence. Please know if you are experiencing family violence, you can call 1-800-RESPECT at any time. You can also ring the 24-7 phone line Safe Steps at any time on 1-800-015-188. Of course, if you are in immediate danger or fearful for yourself, a child or a family member, you should call 000. Don't go away. The Weekend List is up next. It is Weekend List time and Matthew Dwyer is here filling in for Bron while she suns herself across Europe and posts photos that I feel very jealous of. Welcome, Matt. I'm sitting here in a COVID and flu and bronchitis infested house and I need something to do. Any suggestions? And you've managed to escape it all. I know. <laughs> it's amazing work. I've actually got uh, my first suggestion is a read. Uh, I'm not much of a reader, so I always find if there's a book that 
I'm up to 2am, 3am reading, then it's probably a good book because it, it's managed to capture me who has the attention span of a goldfish. But uh, this book is called The Last House on Needless Street. It's by Katrina Ward and it's a thriller horror. It's about a young girl that was abducted from a pretty young age and the story is told from three perspectives. It's told from um, the sister of the young girl who's trying to sort of figure out what's happened to her. It's from the man that she believes uh, is the abductor and from his cat. It's a bit uh, interestingly written, um, but once you kind of realise the way it's styled, it's just this you just this feeling of chaos that you just get absorbed into and it is the coolest twists and turns I've read in a book ever. This might be a silly question. Does the cat speak English? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's not yeah. just like meowing. No, 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 no. It's like total chapters from the, yeah, the, it's split into three different chapters, uh, three different sort of um, points of view in the chapters from the yeah right it's it's bizarre and it's amazing i love a split point of view novel i don't think i've ever read one where a chapter or a section was voiced by an animal so i'm quite into that idea i have something somewhat less highbrow for you i want to recommend season four of lego masters everybody (laughs) um it is on uh, channel nine you can watch it on nine now um it's all aired now so you can just binge the whole thing. I have been at home with a sick kid uh, all week. He is six years old and, oh, my, everyone, this show is just too wholesome. Mm. It is too wholesome. It is so delightful and unlike 99% of reality television shows, there's no conflict. Like there's no villain, there's no bad guy, there's no ominous music. Everyone's a good guy and... It is just absolutely delightful as these adults, it's all pairs of adults, compete in various Lego challenges uh, to get a final pair of winners. And they get so emotional and it brings brothers together and friends together and, I don't know, uh, partners together. I massively enjoyed it. Like I got really teary in the final episode. I don't know what's actually wrong with me. And my kids sat there making Lego and playing with Lego and not just doing the instructions in the little kids, actually making it up himself like we used to in the good old days. Mm -hmm. I I agree. I absolutely agree. And I think that um, audiences are really yearning for more wholesome material. I think we're starting to get over the overproduced bitchiness, fake conflict in in reality TV because we're really starting to catch on that it's all BS and exactly. and if it's not, you know, and, and I think we just want a little bit of reality in our reality TV. I think you are completely right. That wholesomeness in Lego Masters is so accurate. Um, I have, well, we'll step it down a little bit, a little bit more lowbrow thing to watch. Um, Bo Burnham fans can rejoice because he has just a couple of days ago released a, um, a new YouTube one-hour video called The Inside Outtakes, which is a whole uh-huh. bunch of new stuff, new songs that didn't make it into, this, uh, into the special on Netflix, um, behind the scenes and making of how he did it all. Uh, it's an absolute watch if you're a fan of Inside or any of Bo Burnham's work. Oh, okay. That actually sounds really good. I don't think that's lowbrow. I'm going to go lowbrow, folks. We are out lowbrowing one another <laughs> that night today. I want to recommend the new season of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, which is the All-Stars All-Stars. Stay with me, everybody. It doesn't just have favourites from seasons past. All the contestants are winners of seasons past Ooh. who are wild enough to actually want to do it again to earn a second crown and take home some massive amount of money. But as a drag race mega fan who was starting to feel after a bazillion seasons, just a, just a little bit tired of the series, a little bit tired 
of the formula, this has totally re-energized me because it's all my favorites from seasons past. And uh, there is a twist that is delivered very early in the show, everyone, so I'm not giving anything away, in that they're not booting the Queen's out. Uh, so the same group stay for the whole series, but they crown a winner at the end in it by virtue of a different method. But it means you get to see some of your old favourites and some of the best drag queens in the world compete on task after task after task. And they're absolutely bringing it because they don't need to be nervous about taking risks because they might be kicked out because that's not going to happen. It's some of the best drag I have seen in a long time. So if you're a drag race fan like me, and there are a lot of us and we are passionate, don't skip over this season. It's really good. And what is the wholesomeness level comparatively between Lego Masters and Drag Race? Ah, same, same. (laughs) Same, same. You can definitely watch both with your six-year-old. Folks, that is it for the weekend list and that's it for the weekend briefing. Thank you so much for lending us your ears. We really did appreciate that. If you want to make sure that you never miss an episode of the weekend briefing or indeed the weekday briefing, then the best thing you can do is head to the listener app and find us there. Otherwise, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening now, you can hit that subscribe or like or follow button and that way we will jump into your feed each and every week. We will be back on Monday morning, bright and early, where Tom Tilly and the team will have the latest headlines straight to your headphones. Listener.